Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is bravery at the highest level. Stranger Connections is the embodiment of Lisa David Olson's perspective of we're all just friends who just simply haven't met yet. It's an exploration of the weirdly wonderful side of life and a look at the single commonality we have with each other. Our differences. Slip off your shoes, pour a cup of your favorite, and let's meet this week's Barrel of Quirks. So what does that mean to be a former Zen monk? Well, literally, I lived like a Zen monk for nine years of my life. Uh, at the age of my mother died of cancer, my mother and father died of cancer at relatively young years. And when I was in my second year of university, I was kind of lost and spiritually empty, traveled around the world, uh, came close to dying on the desert one day. And I said, I want to find out if there's more to the life than just our physical body and our little analytical mind. And I met these people one day that were living at the Zen Meditation Center, and their eyes were calm, clear, centered. Everybody at the Zen Center had those kind of calm, clear eyes. And I said, that's what I want. And I moved in next week, lived there for nine years, then missed women too much. So I left the monastery. Was it the type of thing that you had a vow of silence? You couldn't, I mean, you probably didn't have great Wi-Fi. (laughs) <laughs> no wi-fi at all i think it was before that time older than you think no but it was quite strict i mean first of all i realized later that even what i teach people now i could teach people how to master their mind without having to be a monk or none but at that time i i, I looked to that kind of lifestyle but it was quite intense Med- meditation four times a day i did a lot of chanting physical labor we didn't do a lot of chit chat a lot of talking a lot of conversation it was a, quite an ascetic lifestyle, and it's certainly not for everyone. But I look back, and it was a great experience, and I learned what I needed to learn and moved on from there. So it took you nine years to say, you know what, that was, that was pretty cool. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's amazing. Uh, I think meditation is a brilliant practice, though I know your style would not be the kind I, I have to have the guided meditation to remind me, stop thinking about the grocery store, stop thinking about what I'm going to wear tomorrow. Your meditation would have been the deep dive, sitting on something hard and probably zoning out for what, hours? Yeah, sometime, well, an hour at a time. But I think that what I've learned from that is when I left living as a monk and I went back into society, I realized that although I learned how to center my mind using the methods that I used at the time, that I was a bit of a basket case and learned that 
unless you connect getting in the Zen zone with every area of your life, it was limited. So I went on to start to developing a training program, which I teach to this day that teaches people how to master their inner self and then take it into action into every area of your life, including the relationships and the communication. But part of what I teach of the nine steps, the fourth step is inner fitness. And I encourage people to choose whatever method works for them. Some people find verbal meditation more uh, more uh, powerful. Some people do hot yoga. Some people do guided visualization. Some people, some of my women clients get more benefit by blasting music and dancing and singing and letting go than sitting quietly in meditation. That was my method, but not everybody's method. That is so, so important because you're saying there's no right or wrong way to to settle down and be grounded. And for some people, it's simply putting your phone away for an hour. I mean, it is it has changed over the years. You've seen that. Um, I'm definitely one of the hot yoga people. That's what I say that that's my grounding time. And it reminds me to keep my mind on my own mat and worry yeah. about my own self because I'm a real busy, busy, busy. What's every, what's going on over there? How's everybody doing? No, yeah. stay on my own mat. And that's, that's what I gained from hot yoga, but I, I always try and meditate and it, it's, distracting for me but now I've been connected with a friend of mine who does the singing bowls and is that beautiful that is a really neat practice I'll go a step further and say this that a lot of my clients uh, I don't even teach them first how to meditate because I don't assume that everyone needs meditation at this stage of their development because it's not doing people a favor if I meet someone who's full of anger and I ask them or suggest to them to meditate I had a friend When I was first in meditation, I tried to help the world by getting everyone to meditate. And the more I helped her to meditate, the more angry she got. So that's why I developed a nine-step program that connects letting go negativity from the past and building your inner fitness, building your communication. It's all connected. And if you don't connect it, some people can actually, like me, when I look back at living nine years as a monk, although it was valuable, I was also running from myself. I was running away from my personhood, my lifestyle that I wasn't feeling comfortable with. And I, I didn't have a lot of self-esteem in my relationships. So it's easy to hide out in the spiritual as well. And that's why I went on to realize in order to really evolve spiritually, we need to have a very holistic, comprehensive way to do it and achieve it. That is so true. You can't run from it. You have to face it. But I also like that you admit you were trying to help everybody. They have to come to you, don't they? Well, it's not, yeah, that's part of it. That's true. But it also, it even goes beyond that. It goes beyond uh, when you're, when you learn something new and you're like an infant, a baby in something, you get excited about it. You want everyone to know about it. But I think as we mature in our spirituality, we realize it's not about laying a trip. It's not about convincing. It's not about enabling. It's about being it. If I'm loving and I'm just living, loving, without preaching and teaching to people. They sense my love. They sense that I'm attentive to listening to them. They sense my energy. That has that really helps people a lot more than any anything else I could teach people. And then if they're receptive and open to the way to achieve that, then that's fine. But I'm about being it, showing up at it, living it every moment that I can. I love it. And looking at your website, I definitely see that. And we'll touch on that before we close out. What is something that someone has, what are the most 
question, like the most popular question you've gotten, what is something people always say, you're, you're a monk, so you must have, what, what do they think? What's the non-real perception people have? Well, it's funny because for years, my marketing friends were telling me to call myself a former Zen monk. And I resisted that for a long, long time because I didn't like the idea of it being too religious or being branded as someone who was a religious person. I was never religious. I, I consider myself to be spiritual. But they said, Alan, that's what makes you unique. You're not just another motivator. You're not just teaching people rah-rah seminars. You're not just another life coach, which is nothing to put them down. Right. But you have a uniqueness about you. Call yourself a former Zen monk. And as soon as I did that, 95% of the people that I said, oh, a former Zen Oh, really? A former? I mean, to me, it's not a big deal. But they think, wow. And it seems to give me more credibility. So when I talk about inner fitness, when I talk about inner freedom, when I talk about uh, uh, getting in the clear, calm, centered zone, they think, well, this guy knows something. He's experienced something. So it seems to have an impact. And the only, I've only received positive uh, feedback on it you know, since I've started to do that. It's true. It is what makes your story unique. It, it's absolutely true. And your name is great as well. You're well, a knight. The, 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 that's another cool story because when I was 19, and it's connected to something that I'm embarking on pretty soon with a colleague, my dream uh, was always to teach something. I was always connected and had a resonance with soulmates. I, I've had a number of soulmates in my life. I love the concept of soulmates. And I've always wanted to launch what I call now the soulmate revolution, or at that time I was going to call it the nightclub, K-N-I-G-H-T, and bring a little chivalry back. And that's always been my main passion. I ended up teaching entrepreneurs because my program teaches how to communicate business-wise and personal-wise. But my true passion is about soulmates. And the nightclub concept always was kind of exciting, especially to my women friends who said, where are we going to meet some real men? <laughs> <laughs> So hopefully we're going to set up the soulmate revolution fairly soon. Well, we will stay tuned for that as well. I think that's great. Where do you live now? I'm in Toronto. I, I was born in Montreal in Canada and lived for the last 25 years in Vancouver. And five months ago, I moved back east where most of my family and friends are. So I'm in Toronto, based in Toronto now. So what was the first thing you did when you walked away from the monk life? What was the first big thing you did? I, I, I think the first big thing I did is I, I wanted to get in touch with my, you know, the, the things that were missing living as a monk. And I think a lot of that had to do with dating and being with women, going out and getting, having some relationships. And uh, that connects to something I overcame, a fear that I overcame. Somebody dared me to talk about pranks and dares. And I was quite insecure, even though I, I, I was fairly popular in high school, I was very insecure to go into these clubs or bars or lounges and walk up to somebody I was attracted to, a lady, to walk up to them. So somebody dared me to go to a club and walk up to no less than 10 women and connect with them. <laughs> and it was the scariest thing I've ever done, but I said, I'm going to do it. Yes. And I did it and I was shocked. Nobody slapped me in the face and I got three phone numbers and I thought, hey, this works. So it helped me to begin the process of developing inner confidence in communication. That is great. So then did you end up getting married after that? No, uh, I met, I, I, I met, I've had a lot of wonderful women and friends in my life. 
But uh, the most significant was a twin soul of mine who passed away about 12 years ago. Her name was Susie. And I met her in Montreal under unusual circumstances. The first night I met her, I said, I'm going to love you unconditionally, whatever happens. And she said, no man could be my friend. And I said, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I proved her wrong because I loved her unconditionally for 22 years. And when she had cancer, uh, the day before she died, she, she was a very beautiful woman and she shriveled up to 80 pounds. And I looked at her and I said, said to myself, I have the same eternal love for her now as I did when I first met her. So she, just being around her taught me a lot about unconditional love. And it starts with unconditionally loving yourself. So that, that's where the whole soulmate, I realized if I'm going to launch the soulmate revolution, I better practice it with my own inner soulmate, which is the true foundation, I think, for soulmate relationships. That is beautiful. You really can't give to others unless you're taking care of yourself. You really absolutely, can. absolutely. <laughs> that is great. Well, I did send you um, your choice if you wanted to share a dare, a prank, an embarrassing moment, or a pet peeve. What, st what steps out for you? What, which well, one of those? The prank, the, there's a prank and embarrassing moment. The prank I already told you about when someone dared me to go into a club and walk up to 10. So that was my prank. But there was one embarrassing moment, huge. <laughs> when I first decided to coach and train and speak, the first six months of my career, neophyte, never spoke in front of an audience in my life. I was invited to speak in front of 500 realtors. And it was in a, in a hotel where there were many conference rooms and 500 people walked in. I was so nervous the whole week. I started to create slide presentations, which I'd never done before. And I was so nervous that when they introduced me and I stood up, I looked up at the slides, looked at the crowd, and I froze. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't utter a word. Then I start speaking in a very monotonous, rote manner. <laughs> Within five minutes, half the 500 people left. And I think the rest of them stayed out of compassion. <laughs> and I was so embarrassed. It stuck, stayed with me for years. And then it taught me the biggest lesson of my life that when I speak and communicate, my strength is being genuine and real. I don't need to focus on PowerPoints. I need to just come from my heart. So, of course, that was the big, big lesson. But I learned from it. So that was good. That really is good because what are we if we aren't what we, where we come from? <laughs> we better just learn and keep moving along, I think. Exactly. So then you've got so many great experiences, and I know you've got a book out, so we'll definitely tag that at the bottom. Um, tell me what you would tell your younger self, knowing the things you know now. We could look back 10 years, 15 years, somewhere in there, or 20, whatever you feel like. And knowing what you know today, what do you wish your younger self knew? Uh, two things come to mind. The first thing I would have done is I would have told my younger self, I want you to take 10% of everything you earn and save it. I want you to put it away and become really, really focused on building a future. Because, you know, a lot of us, when we're young, we live in the moment and we think oh, everything will be okay. I would have been much more, not frugal, but more responsible. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that's one thing. But the most important thing, which to me is the number one message of everybody I teach and train, is I would have talked to myself and said, you know what, self, no matter what you've been through, no matter what fears and insecurities you may have or will have, the most important thing I'm going to tell you right now is love yourself. Accept, respect, adore yourself like your own child, 
and set the foundation for great relationships with others by loving yourself first and foremost. And that's what I would have told myself. I love that. That, that is a great message. And I'm, I'm assuming that is in your talks within your nine steps is positive self-talk. Well, it's, it's part of it is self-talk, but it goes, the reason I created nine steps is one of the things that I saw along the way when I was developing my training program is I went to a lot of rah-rah workshops, life coaching, therapy. I did it all. I've done rebirthing, learned from all of it. So it's not a criticism. But when people came to my office and I would do my x-ray evaluation, many of them after $10,000, $20,000 of spending on self-development would still procrastinate, still have a hyperactive mind, still suffer from social anxiety. I said, something's wrong. So I thought, if then the light bulb went on and I said, if I want to get physically fit, if I'm in terrible shape and you're my physical fitness trainer, you don't get me reading books or raw, give me rah-rah seminars. You get me into the gymnasium and get me on a program four or five times a week. And over a period of six months, I'm going to be in good shape. So I said, if physical fit, if that's good for phys- physical fitness, it should be the same for inner and verbal fitness. And so that led me to create a nine-step program which covers the mind, the emotion, the intuition, the communication, the letting go of the past. So it's like a total inner multiple vitamin approach. And it's very transformational. It's not just a little bit of this and a little bit of a la carte work. It's comprehensive, complete. And when you go through it, in 90 days, you come to a high level of inner peace, inner confidence, and communication mastery. And then you have a self-coaching system for life. And the one last thing that I'm really excited about now is I want to leave my legacy. It's bigger than Alan Knight. So I have a nightlife certification coaching program. So if anybody wants to be a coach or is a coach, doesn't have an existing program, I have a coaching program, which they can start their own business within 90 days. Oh, that is fabulous. And that's on your website. Yeah, under Be a Coach. Everything's under alanknight.com. Yes, I'm going to head back over to it to um, sign up because I know you had a newsletter with some free tips in it as well. And I want to yeah. check into what you have going on. I think that's fabulous. So you had, a great, um, you had a great voice, by the way. You've got such a great radio voice. Really? I used to yeah. do radio. <laughs> oh, you're a, you're a natural. So you didn't want to make fun of the way I say boat or, or hey, oh, dear. You're, you're, are you making fun of me now? Is that what you're doing? No, I did that earlier when we, when we first started. <laughs> I certainly will again. Let me be clear. You could, I, my ego has been shattered, so I'm okay now. <laughs> so what do you think from our chat? What do you suppose I could say that we have in common? just meeting strangers. We all have something in common. Well, first of all, it's very easy to talk to you. You're a great communicator. You're a good listener. You seem like someone who has a big heart. You genuinely want to help people. It just feels like there's a, sometimes I meet people as if I know them already. Yes. And maybe from past lives, that's what happened. And and I'm, you know, I'm grateful to have met you even just today on Facebook. It's amazing because I made a decision. Facebook Friends have not been friends. So I'm going to reach out and actually talk to them. <laughs> so that is I, tremendous. I agree with that, and I think um, I think the same of you. And you're right. We chatted a little bit before we set this up, and everything was done within one day. And you were brave enough to say, "Why not?" So I think that's a great way to great way to meet. And absolutely. and we can only be strangers once, and that's what this podcast is about. I so love that expression. Done. That's a great expression. Thank you. That's that's so, my so you and I are not strangers anymore. We are not. We are friends. We are meant to meet. So tell me quickly then about your book, the title, and where people can find it. The book is called Mind Gone Wild, Finding Freedom Within the Chaos. 
it's all about my past, the training, the training world. And then it goes over the nine chapters, which are literally an overview of the nine steps. It's a practical how to. I use it as a manual for my, my, my coaching program. So as people go through it, we use it as a kind of a training manual. They could find out when you go to alanknight.com, there's a section called book. And you, you could see where you could order it on Amazon there. I'm going to be looking for that. And I really appreciate your time today. And I just want to invite everybody to reach out to a stranger because it could be one of your new best friends. And why not make connections? Put your phones down, put your face up, and let's meet people. One last thing I want to just give your audience an offer. I do a complimentary 30-minute evaluation and assessment, which is very practical. It'll show them what's holding them back, the strategy for success. And there's no obligation. They don't have to take my coaching. But if they go through the 30-minute evaluation and assessment, I'll give them a free copy in the ebook format of my book. Contact me and request an evaluation. That is super generous. Thank you so much for your time and all of your information, Alan. Communication coach Alan Knight, former Zen monk, and he is sharing his ebook with us. So check out his website, alanknight.com. And you can sign up to get his nine steps to learn what's holding you back. And I know I'm going to be getting his book. It's called Mind Gone Wild on Amazon. And that's finding freedom within the chaos. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and dare yourself daily. Stay weird. And remember, we can only be strangers once. This has been Stranger Connections with Lisa David Olson.